0: alpha episode this is episode 97 Uh, wow it's been almost 100 episodes but uh, today is a very special episode uh, with Mike Glaspy and a little bit about him his background Uh, of course as I told Mike I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to read the entire thing Uh, so uh, the rest of the bio is going to be included down below make sure to read through it because it's pretty impressive what this man has been accomplished so far so first of all, he's a commercial real estate broker in North Carolina. Uh, Mike attended the University of Houston uh, downtown where he received his bachelor's degree in business management and is currently pursuing a master's in business administration from the University of North Carolina. Uh, he served 10 years in the US Army with a, med- with a majority spent in special operations as a green barrette. Wow, since purchasing his first investment property in 2014, Mike switched his focus to, creating, uh, to creative investing. In less than three years, he completed several transactions in variety of ways, such as subjects, toss, wholesales, flips, syndication, uh, syndications, and long and short-term buy and holds. Mike currently holds, uh, holds rental property and short-term arbitrages in multiple states and co-founded an investment centric real estate team a while serving full-time in military. So now a veteran, Mike continues to practice real estate with focus on educating other veterans on how to build a lifestyle they deserve through creative investing. He published an Amazon best-selling book titled The Elite Investor: A Military Approach to Real Estate Problem Solving. And of course, you can find him on instagram linkedin facebook bigger pockets go to the website at militarycashflow.com all the links are going to be down below so i'm glad i think we covered kind of everything uh, when it comes to presenting you but uh, mike i really appreciate you being today on the show
1: yeah absolutely i I greatly appreciate you having me on
0: that's no problem happy happy to connect uh, so okay so where do we start i mean uh still serving in the military which of course as you know i'm not from states but thank you for your service um so can can you kind of talk about your background a little bit and how have you discovered real estate investing
1: yeah yeah absolutely so i actually just got out of the military this year so i'm no longer active duty military um but uh what happened was i was serving in the military i I went on several deployments uh, on special operations we were gone quite often and unfortunately i had i had a bad deployment and so i started looking for For other avenues, uh, you know, so I didn't have to actually do the full 20 years, which our military allows us to do 20 years, then we receive a pension for life. And so although that is, you know, enticing to a lot of people, I decided I needed to find something else because I I don't know if I could do the full 20. Well, I ended up buying my first house. Um, the, The military here allows us to use a VA home loan so we can go in and purchase a home with no money down. And the government backs us up because we serve in the military. That's one of the benefits. Um, But when I did it, I bought a, a pretty nice property, right? It wasn't an investment property at all, but I was renting out the other rooms to other single soldiers. And lo and behold, about a year or two later, I found out that that's called house hacking. And I was like, okay, well, hey, I'm already kind of investing. So in uh, real estate, and so I started looking more into those different avenues of what we can do and what are the other options. So I tried it all. I tried wholesaling. I tried fixing flips, live in flips, um, the subject twos, which I really found a, a lot of uh, success in. And over the years, I've just continued to use that creative approach uh, to acquiring properties. And now I, I uh, have a, over a hundred doors and I actually own a hotel as well. So it's all grown quite rapidly in the past uh, in the past few years.
0: That is good. That is awesome to hear. So, uh, so can you talk about a little bit uh, the beginning stages of your real estate investing journey? Because I know, kind of everybody has a different story. A lot of people talk about the pink book, which you know it's rich that poor that. Mm-hmm. So, where was your beginnings? I mean, did, was it like a person, uh, some sort of event that kind of influenced you to pursue this?
1: Yeah, it was actually an event. And so um, I went to one of those three-day seminars um, about real estate investing where they went up there and they pitched about their, their one-stop shop formula for, for everything. Um, and I didn't actually go ahead and pursue it, but I did realize that there was a lot of power in real estate. So what I did was I tried to go back home and I tried wholesaling first and foremost, my first wholesale deal was a disaster. I lost a lot of money um, okay, because I did everything let's wrong.
0: St- let's stop for a second. Please explain okay. us how, how did it happen? And I mean, just a little bit of lessons for, for us to learn.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the concept of wholesaling is just assigning the contract. And then I collect a fee when I assign the contract. Well, what I did was I, I met with a, a, a seller. I evaluated the property. I had my numbers completely wrong. I way overvalued the property. I overestimated the repairs in it or underestimated the repairs in it. And at the time she actually had her brother living in the property because he had no other place to go. And so in my mind, I was thinking that I couldn't sell the property if it was occupied. So I negotiated with her and I asked her to get her brother to leave and he actually left. Um, and then we, we, we have a thing called, um, to be honest, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but essentially it's it's when you put money in as a good faith, a good faith deposit, right? And now I realized later in life that you could probably get away with something as simple as a dollar or maybe a hundred dollars. But since it was my first deal and I really wanted to win it, I gave her a thousand dollars. And for me as a young soldier, a thousand dollars was a lot of money. Um, so I gave her a thousand dollars, I forced her brother to move out. And lo and behold, since I was active duty military, I deployed in less than a month after all of that happened. So what I tried to do was I found another wholesaler that was in the community. And I said, Hey man, you can have this wholesale deal. I just need you to finish it off so we can keep good, you know, good rapport with all the, with all the clients and you can just pay me my thousand dollars. Once you sell it, well, I left, I got on the plane, came back six months later, come to find out he never reached out to the seller. The seller ended up foreclosing on the property. The brother was walking uh, without a home for quite some time. And then the the least of it all is I lost that thousand dollars. So it it was a very horrible experience for the first one, but a lot of lessons learned for sure.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you never know. I mean, that that's where the beginning stages are. I mean, even though there's a lot of people who read about, you know, real estate investing, they watch these episodes, but still there will be some lessons that you have to learn by yourself somehow, right? And make those mistakes. Absolutely. So can can you kind of talk about, you know, what was your, you know, kind of growth and, you know, your, your personal, uh, you know, into real estate investing? Was it, have you pursued more of like uh, wholesaling, flipping, like what was next coming up in your journey?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I started off with the wholesaling deal. And then after that deal, I I started to have some success. I did a few deals where I, I started to make some money. Uh, but I realized ultimately what I was looking for was passive income because I wanted to replace my income so I can then live the life that I wanted to pursue. And so ultimately keeping that end in mind, I realized that the only way I can truly get that is through buy and hold real estate. So I focused on trying to acquire those. Now, Coming out the gate, I thought originally that you needed the, the typical 20% down payment to buy these properties. And so I, I, I fought furiously to get more money, right? More wholesale deals, side hustles and things of that nature. But then I ran across the subject two, And the subject two essentially is where uh, the mortgage would stay in the seller's name, but the property is deeded over to me. And once I found that secret sauce, I was able to get a cash flowing property with little to no money in hold it for a few years and then sell it on the back end and make a lot of money. And so that started to be kind of my play. And as I started to accumulate more money, I started to buy more properties. And then lo and behold, I got licensed as a real estate broker and joined, uh, joined with my partner where we started a, a, a wonderful team, but that was more of the active income. And then ultimately, once the, uh, the systems are kind of designed, Uh, then truly the business becomes passive in a sense at a certain point in time, because money is continuously coming in. So as that progression came, I started to realize, okay, I went from that active chase of the wholesaling and the flipping and the live-in flips and things of that nature. But my primary passion is on the buy and hold. And I really like to acquire more and more properties. And the goal is just hold them, hold them indefinitely.
0: Got it. Got it. So can you talk about your investing criteria? What type of deals you're looking for?
1: Absolutely. So the typical general rule of thumb is the one percent rule, right? And that's a that's a common one that's said out everywhere. Essentially, where the rent, uh, the monthly rent, will be one percent of the purchase price. Now that that general rule of thumb is just to make sure that that debt service credit ratio is is actually met and you can actually cash flow. But as I dig in a little bit deeper, I personally prefer multifamily. Now it doesn't have to be something huge like a thirty unit, but I'd at least like to get four units. Um, I can be okay with two. Um, or if it was something like a two-unit or a three-unit, renting it out by the room. And the reason I like that multiple-income scenario is uh, it's the the power of scaling, right? And also the risk aversion. If if we had a little bit of vacancy, right? It, you know that it doesn't play into the same role as a single-family would. If it came and uh, and was vacant for a month, you lose a whole month, right? So um, primarily multifamily, and I and I go into markets that are typically stable. And so I invest in um, Illinois, I invest in Fayetteville, I'm looking in Georgia, and I like to look for markets that aren't necessarily increasing or showing rapid growth or high increases in median income. I'm looking for that very stable market where I know those renters are going to be long term. Um, I don't have to really concern myself with uh, them renting out for a year and then going out and buying their own home the next year.
0: Got it. Got it. Makes sense. So, so multifamily is kind of your game at the moment, right? So can you, yeah. can you talk about the biggest and the smallest deal that you have currently in a portfolio?
1: Yep. So, uh, the biggest deal I have would be all under one roof. It'd be the hotel deal. Um, that's the largest one I have in my portfolio. It's located in Georgia. Um, That one is 57 doors. It's a 57 door hotel. Uh, it's a franchise hotel. We, we took ownership of it when we bought it, we got it at about $900,000 and it appraised at 1.7 million the day we bought it. So that was a, that was a great deal on the smallest side. It actually is a single family home. I had bought it for about $60,000, about $63,000. But I was able to turn around next month and rent it out for nine hundred and fifty dollars a month, long term. So that far exceeded the the one percent rule, and it's still a very strong performing property, even though it's it is the smallest one.
0: Got it. So can you talk about your hotel kind of deal? Because again, there's a lot of people during watching this episode during still the COVID times. Yep. How how the COVID times that affect your I mean occupants at the moment.
1: Yeah, so the occupancy is in effect, and we're actually increasing occupancy as it stands. The biggest thing about the the entire pandemic was that uh, a lot of people got fearful for the downfall, you know, for the after effects. But as, as Warren Buffett always says, you know, be greedy when others are fearful, right? And be fearful when others are greedy. And during this time, I've been greedy. I've been buying up everything, right? So uh, for example, we just closed on a nine unit. We have a 21 unit under contract right now and another five unit under contract. And, and I'm gonna try to buy as much as I can. Now the hotel, we were able to identify a de a seller where they were in way over their head but the property was in great shape. It was in good condition and it was performing okay, but we actually partnered with a hotel manager. Uh, We've done several deals with him in the past and he took over the boots on the ground operation. So we were able to find uh, opportunities to kind of streamline that efficiency, really increase the the net operating income. And as I mentioned, we bought it at 900,000 and it appraised same day for 1.7 million. So we walked into that equity almost instantaneously.
0: Mm, got it so you you talked about again that you have deals available in other states you mentioned georgia and some other states so uh is is the biggest deals that you have i mean including the hotel and you know the multifamily is in north carolina or those deals are in those states also
1: yep they're all over so the hotels in georgia i own roughly about 40 units in in um in north carolina and then about another 10 in illinois
0: Got it. So can you oh, talk about, because uh, I, I guess I'm just guessing you, you have a third party management for those properties, yes. right? So can yes. you talk about the process for somebody who's watching and maybe brand new? How do you hire the best possible, you know, property management for them?
1: Yeah. And honestly, uh, it came trial by fire, right? We, I, I failed several times. I actually had to fire quite a few property managers. But in the end of the day, I realized that um, you, have to, you have to work with somebody who you get along with right? And that you understand those systems. Because when I, when I'm sitting back and I'm working with my bookkeeper or my accountant, we have to have certain reports delivered at a certain time. And when I read those reports, when I read those reports, I want to be able to understand them, right? I don't want them to look like some weird, uh, super intensive Excel spreadsheet. It's like let's get to that owner statement. Let's break it down item by item. And then when I ask a question, I want timely response. Now I understand that things happen. I understand tenants get up and leave. We have to evict. Repairs need to take place. But I love transparency and communication. And so for anybody who's just getting started, I would highly recommend that you just interview with the property managing uh, management companies, and you make sure that everything that you want as a landlord that you either get it directly from them or you understand their process to do it. Because one of the biggest things that people, and this happens with all service industries, people will say, well, no, I want it this way. You have to do it this way. Well, hold on now, guys. As a business, if that business ever intends to scale, they can't customize their their processes for every individual client. They have a process in place. You just need to make sure that that process fits your needs. Mm, Got it. Okay. So talking
0: about, uh, your own current deals, what you have in a portfolio is those deals. Did you buy, you know, just yourself or do you kind of, what strategy do you use to acquire those type of deals?
1: So I would say about 35% of the portfolio is me hundred percent me. Um, uh, but I do partnerships all day, every day. I, I got uh, certain partners in different areas where we'll team up and we'll, you know, pull our money together and almost as a JV, uh, portion now the hotel was a syndication we did a five hundred six five uh, hundred six B for that one um, so that was a full syndication we got our attorneys involved and everything like that ultimately I am always looking uh, for growth opportunities right so if the right partner comes along if the right deal comes along I am definitely willing to take a smaller piece of the pie to actually acquire you know, that great deal, that value add asset.
0: Got it. So, so we're kind of looking at economies of scale. So what, so can you talk about what you have currently in a pipeline? What type of deals are you looking for to invest in the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So right now we have a, it's under contract. It's a 21 unit um, and it's a portfolio of essentially small multifamily, but we were able to find that through an off-market wholesaler. Um, it's hundred percent occupied it's good to go, right? Now The uh, the opportunity for growth in that one is that the market rents are all roughly about $200 a door low. And so we're gonna be able to go in there, throw in our, our seasoned property management company, they're gonna go in there and fix it up slowly over time. Um, I also have another five unit that I'm working on to add to the Illinois portfolio um, as well. And that one was another off-market property. It's about 75% occupied uh, and the market rents are a little bit low as well. And so that can give you a general guideline of how I'm searching for deals now. I'm looking for off-market properties, uh, which would be ideal. I'm not afraid of finding anything on the MLS if it's good enough. And, and room for value add. And I'm not necessarily looking for the large renovations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with that un, un, um, the unknown of the effects of the whole pandemic, right? I don't really know how property values are going to go. So I don't want to play that equity game so much right now. I'd rather focus on locking in long-term fixed rates and finding ways to improve the cash flow.
0: Got it. So can you talk about some of the strategies that you improve, that you added to, you know, as a value add strategy for that type of hotel, you know, like how much did you spend per door and what type of, like, where did you invest it in that, you know, CapEx CapEx, CapEx money towards, you know, adding value to the
1: property? Yep, absolutely. So uh, as far as the expenses and where we kind of put the capital expenditures was primarily on the beautification of the area, right? So we actually painted um, the full exterior, we improved the landscaping, improved some of the signing. Now this is a, it's a franchised uh, hotel, so we have to abide by some of those rules and guidelines as well but then on the interior we focus primarily on the rooms themselves and so we're, we're going in we're spending about four thousand dollars a room where we're going to go in and, and fix up the flooring the walls and maybe update the furniture a little bit and as we continue to do that little turnover by little turnover uh, then we're just going to increase occupancy by charging more per night, very similar to an Airbnb model or anything else that may be. Uh, And then ultimately the operational efficiency by bringing in a seasoned hotel manager is really where we're gonna start to optimize uh, uh, the entire performance of of the hotel.
0: Got it. So when it comes to, uh, again, buying multifamily properties and again, hotels, it could be a little bit a different game. And again, for people who are watching, maybe they have an experience and, you know, some people are, they're already involved in multifamily deals, but not the hotels. So maybe can you talk about the difference when you're actually looking to buy multifamily property and the hotel when it comes to the location? Part. I mean, what, what's mm-hmm. the difference between that? Like, what are you looking for when you're buying a hotel versus multi family deal?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, there's a a ton of similarities. So when you're looking at location for any type of short-term rental and to include Airbnbs uh, and hotels, you're looking for ease of access along highly traveled routes, right? So right off of highways. Um, For example, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, it's a home of Fort Bragg, which is a very large military base. People would not believe that to be a good Airbnb market because it's just not a heavy population. Well, on the contrary, it's actually located right between New York and Miami along a corridor where a lot of people actually stop because they're traveling through there. So by finding uh, ideal properties or ideally located in certain areas that have a high lot of traffic, it's good for short-term rentals. Now on the multifamily side, there's a lot of other things you can consider depending on your clientele. So if you have an A-class asset, the amenities that you wanna be located near are gonna be slightly different than if you have a C-class asset. Okay, a C class asset or a D class asset may provide a lot of value if you're located near things that uh, provide all the daily needs of a, of a tenant um, w- within walking distance. And so to, to kind of name a few, maybe a dollar general or a convenience store, a grocery store, maybe even a laundromat if your facility doesn't have inbound laundry, right? Whereas a class A type of tenant may want something more like the Starbucks that's local, the mall that's local, right? A, a short commute to the park or to a community event. And so it's just really understanding not only your market area, but your target clientele as well is going to be extremely important for choosing the right asset. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Great tips. Thank you for sharing those. Uh, listen, what, what is your approach in diversification? I mean, uh, Like, are you planning to invest in other commercial asset classes like office
1: retail in the future? So I've actually been looking into, I've been looking into it. And honestly, right now, not office. Obviously, a lot of it, uh, and it's just my biased opinion about how the pandemic is affecting a lot of the work from home environments. Too many people are working from home nowadays. Now, my idea of diversification, though, is... Uh, you know, you can focus on one asset class, but then you focus on different geographic locations. And then to me, that's my definition of diversification. So as I established the foothold in North Carolina, I then moved out into Illinois and now I'm moving out into Georgia and, you know, we'll continue to see how that grows. But I understand the residential real estate space. And what I mean by that is a tenant occupied place for living, you know, multifamily and so forth. So as it stands right now, that's where my real estate focus is going to be got it got it so one thing again that i would like to cover is kind of your
0: help you know producing value and all the information and again all like people that are watching especially veterans because i I know like the statistics are like high enough when it comes to depression rates and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff because again for the people who are coming back from the military and you know coming home so it's a great thing that you're helping you know you know these people to kind of find the passion in real estate investing and you can find of course all the links are going to be down below but can you talk about kind of your process and maybe the ways that you help veterans uh, to, to find, you know, how to create, as you mentioned, that kind of lifestyle and, and create that passive income?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, military men and women across the world, not just in the U.S., yep. they, they serve and typically they're not given, you know, the respect, the money, the recognition that they truly deserve. A lot of times people will go out and they'll sacrifice so much time and energy for their country that their marriages fall apart, that their families fall apart, that they don't get to see their kids grow up. And one of the biggest passion projects for me uh, and my partner Dan with the military cash flow is we understand the value of creating that type of lifestyle where you can actually see your child grow up, where you can have the marriage that you want, when you can actually be there for your parents when they start getting up in age, right? You can't do that when you're serving, unfortunately, because the needs of the country come first. So what we do is we we have an education platform. It's essentially a podcast, YouTube channel, where we not only try to educate about real estate investing, With a creative twist, right? Because military servicemen and women don't typically have a lot of money. They don't. So we have to get a little creative and we show different ways um, that they can not only use the resources that they have around them, but also use the resources that the military provides, like the VA home loan. They have a retirement account called a thrift savings plan. We talk about tricks about how to borrow against it, how to invest with it in real estate. Um, we talk about how to get, uh, you know, disability claims, right? Not how to cheat the system, but how to get what you're, what you're due, um, how to get education, how to education hack, right? So you can go out and get a, a degree for free and receive a monthly uh, stipend uh, to live off of, right? And people don't know these things. So we try our best to educate them and ultimately showing them them all, you know, all servicemen and women that there is another alternative than just serving 20 years for the pension. You can create that somewhere else.
0: That is beautiful. That's a, that's a beautiful thing that you continue to, to help, you know, veterans at the same time while you're building your business also. So can mm-hmm. you talk about a little bit, again, uh, best-selling Amazon book, uh, which is the elite investor or military approach to real estate problem solving. I mean, what, what people should expect when they're going
1: to purchase the book. Yep. So it's a very quick read. It's a no nonsense straight to the point. This is the type of action steps that you can take right now to start to build these systems, regardless if you have a full-time job or not. Right. And the biggest thing about that book that's actually right there on, on the shelf, right there, right behind me. But, uh, the biggest thing about that book is, um, is there's no excuses. There's absolutely no excuses. If you say you want something, it's time for you to just lay it out, plan it out, and then take action. And one of the things that I cover in there is a, it's a military uh, concept, but everybody does it, but you know, people just don't realize they do it. It's called backwards planning, right? So if you say in five years, I want to own 100 rental units. Great. So what does that mean you need to do by year three? What does that mean? you know, for 12 months? What does that mean for a month from now? What does that mean for you to do today in order to get there? And that backwards planning process is extremely eye-opening and it breaks it down to a very actionable step that you can take every single day to continue to progress towards your goals.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, awesome. So make sure that you grab the book. Uh, If you served in the military, if you didn't, I think you're still gonna find a lot of benefits, you know, uh, by reading the book. Which, as you said, said, it's a quick read because uh, we as people don't have, you know, uh, a lot of you know, attention span is very short for us. So, Absolutely. you know, can, can, again, one thing is um, like you meeting a lot of people, you are doing the podcast. So I'm very grateful to have you on today, and you know, on the show, and you you speaking with a lot of people at the same time, helping a lot of people, uh, making connections every day. So the question is, what is the one thing, or maybe what is the legacy
1: that you want to leave uh, behind you? You know, so that's a really good question. I've been asked that several times and it started to evolve over the years, to be quite honest. Uh, first time the legacy was just to, just to prove that I can do it, right? I had a chip on my shoulder uh, for all the naysayers out there that said, no, you should, just, you should just do 20 years in the military. That's the safe bet, right? I wanted to prove them wrong originally. Then after that, I wanted to show my family, my, my younger siblings, like, hey, you can do it too. Like there, there's more for us than just working for somebody else for 30 years, 40 years, or 50 years. And now more than ever, as I'm starting to get more time, I'm realizing that, you know, if you just put in a little bit of effort, you can impact the lives of many. And ultimately, if I can impact the life of one person, that, that that is enough for me to feel uh, uh, sufficient in life, right? And so now more than ever, as I continue to, to kind of to give back, to develop material, whatever it is, and reach out is because I know that there's one person out there that just needs to hear the right thing at the right time. And just as you mentioned for, for veterans who, who are uh, suffering from extreme depression, it may hit them at the right time. And it may, you know, it may change their trajectory of their lifestyle forever. And so ultimately I just want to continue to put out, put out, you know, good vibes, good content, and um, just keep, continue to push on.
0: Here you go. Here you go. And of course you have to make sure that you go and reach him out on Instagram, bigger pockets. I mean, he mentioned YouTube. So we're going to make sure that we include everything down below for you to easy to access, because you have to follow, you have to follow Mike and kind of, especially if you served in the military, because it's, it's still a bondage. Like you want to like, in the military, you, you close with the comrades when you, when you walked out from there, you want to still be close to the people who again been through kind of the same stuff and Mike has a great story to tell and at the same time he's building a successful business so I think, I don't think I know this information is going to benefit a lot a lot of people in military and even you know people just who are you know regular type of people looking to invest. But it's been awesome. Really I appreciate your time. I mean, all the information, the nuggets, the pieces, the strategies. I mean, it's, it's really cool. So and, and by the way, it sounds like you're just starting your journey just now, you know, it, yeah. it's a fun thing. So you're you just getting started, which, which is awesome. Uh, so I, I love it. So, Mike, really appreciate your time today. You know, it's, it's been a great, great to, to get to know you a little bit better and uh, guys just one thing for you if you just share this message with a friend of yours maybe the person who used to serve in a uh, military or anyone that you want to who who you think this information would be valuable uh, make sure to do that again mike really appreciate your time today and as always guys and girls and we'll see you in the next episode